Hi, and welcome to The Badass Moms, where we moms learn to achieve fitness and health goals despite being sleep-deprived and overworked. Here's your host, Nicole, the super busy mommy coach. Hello, and welcome to Badass Moms, brought to you by the Holistic Therapies Directory. I'm Nicole Cruz, super busy mommy coach. Hi. <laughs> and I'm also in the episode here. <laughs> this, is, this is my business partner. You want to tell them your name? My name is Eric. And he, he loves jumping into these. Okay, you can go play now. Yeah. Okay, watch the drink. Okay, I'm going to go uh, go play. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, it was nice meeting you. you. End the episode. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> okay, thank you for tuning in to Badass Moms. Again, brought to you by the Holistic Therapies Directory. Um, we're going, I'm going to introduce our wonderful guest, Flora Ong, in, in just a moment. But before I do, I want to let you know that I have one or two, I'm not sure how many, there's one I'm confirming, one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching slots open at the moment. And so uh, those of you who have been listening, if you're interested in getting some help to figure out how to thrive as a busy mom, especially as a single mom, those of you in the toughest situations, how to actually get fitness into your day when it's impossible, how to eat healthy, how to manage all of that when it is impossible to do a normal regimen. That's why I'm here. You can apply by going to Super Busy Mommy Coach on Facebook or Instagram and sending me a DM that says, coach me. I look forward to hearing you. On to the episode. So I have with me today, I'm super excited for this episode, actually. I have Flora Ong, who is a dating and relationship coach, as well as a matchmaker. She helps high-achieving individuals attain success in their love lives by focusing on the subconscious programming and removing blocks that keep them from having the love they really want. Flora, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's really great to have you. Um, and I'm excited for this episode. You know, um, dating, you know, I work with a lot of single moms just because I specialize in the toughest circumstances. And those very often are moms who are single. And so my expertise is, you know, fitness and nutrition. But in order to fit that in, we go over everything in their life. Like everything needs to be optimized. And dating comes up a lot. Like that is a big area of um yeah I don't want to like I don't think there's I don't think it's the same thing for everyone but it's usually something significant for a single mm -hmm. mom you know whether oh. it's something they're avoiding whether it's something they really want whether it's something they're doing but having a horrible experience whether they're loving it and it keeps them sane <laughs> um and so I'm really excited to have you on to just kind of like talk through it and you know let's answer the question how can you enjoy dating as a mom because I'm sure you hear from a lot of moms, like most of the ones I hear from dread it. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you get, I suppose you get the gamut of uh, responses, but how can you enjoy it? I think it, it's kind of the same, whether you're a single mom or not, but it's really, a lot of it has to do with expectations, right? Mm -hmm. And so the easy answer is have no expectations. <laughs> <laughs> But it's also the hard thing to do, you know, in real life. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think if you go into it without, you know, expectations, just looking to meet people, just looking to connect, just looking to have, you know, enjoy yourself, um, 
then you're, you'll be fine. But if you look at, if you walk into it looking for an outcome, which is, you know, I would say one of the biggest problems uh, with our whole mindset in general, then you're going to have a hard time. You know, I, I, I love talking about it in respect to diet because, you know, I started off, I think I told you this when we spoke last, I started off as a health coach. That's where my actual like certification is in, you know, health and life coaching. And so it's kind of like that person that goes on that crash diet because they want to be thin, you know, as soon as possible. But um, it's the person who is consistent over time, that is the one that's actually successful, mm -hmm. right? And it's the same thing with dating. It's people who jump in wanting the outcome of being like thin or of, you know, finding a husband or finding a partner, they get hurt a lot or they tend to, uh, yeah, they tend to just get hurt a lot and disappointed a lot because they walk in thinking like, oh, well, I'm going on a dating app. Therefore, I'm going to date someone. Therefore, we are going to end up in relationship, right? Um, but it's not, the trajectory isn't exactly like that most of the time, you know, and, um, and it causes a lot of disappointment. Yeah, that intuitively makes a lot of sense to me because mm -hmm. when you think about it, that level of compatibility, you know, like life partner compatibility is pretty rare, you know, like it's probably, you know, we, we only have one of them. And so like, to me, it makes sense that you, it, it probably wouldn't be the first person or second person you go on a date with, you know, yeah. it probably takes, it probably takes some time to find that person. Um, but I, I've heard a lot of the sentiment you're talking about where it's just like, if, if it's not, if the person sitting across from you at the dinner table doesn't seem like husband material, the date was a waste and it was a horrible night. Right, right. You know, I, I want to comment um, on this, this concept of the one, you know, and that there is only one. I think that that's really important too to break down because I don't believe that there is the one, right? And I don't believe in... Um, I do believe in monogamy, but I don't necessarily believe that, uh, you know, we're looking for one life partner for the rest of our lives. Um, I think that people come into our lives for a time. And as long as we can grow simultaneously together, then uh, they, uh, they're compatible. But when your life path um, takes you on a different you know, in a different direction, they may not be compatible anymore, mm -hmm. right? Or if your growth supersedes theirs by so much, they may not be compatible anymore, right? Because we want to continually grow. We want to continually change. We want to continually become more and more aware and more and more mindful of ourselves and what's driving us, right? Mm -hmm. Essentially the hope, you know, that's the hope I think, right? But a lot of people don't even think that way, right? They think, okay, I need the house. I need the car. I need the kids, I need the husband, I need, you know, the career, um, I need these things, right? And they forget that. Play quietly. Sorry about that. That's <laughs> okay. Um, I have two of those. They're, they're just, you know, stuck in a, a YouTube hole somewhere. <laughs> 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 um, uh, so. Uh, sorry, where, where, 
you're saying they want the things they you know yeah like, they want the things the right and house, they, the car the husband exactly and then they turn around at some point you know 10 years in and they don't even know who they are and they they the relationship that they're in isn't satisfying anymore because they're still empty right because they still want more things mm-hmm. right and all of the desire for those things is covering up what is a deeper issue on the inside. And, you know, food feeds into that just as much as anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly, which is why things like this come up when I'm doing nutrition. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's, I mean, we'll have to dig much deeper into a lot of those, um, a lot of the factors that come into this. Mm-hmm. But now uh, let's let's talk a little bit about your backstory so people can understand, you know, pe- I'm sure a lot of people can relate to it. Um, so you so as a health coach, but how did you get interested <laughs> in dating? You know, what's your, what's your dating si- or relationship situation? How has that changed over time? So I um, was married for 14 years and uh, I got divorced. I got married very young. I got married at 24. My ex-husband was 21 at the time. Um, I was really young. Uh, We stayed together for 14 years. And when I got divorced, which was about five years ago at this point, I, I hit the uh, the new dating market, which, you know, I had never seen an app, a uh, dating app before in my life. And I suddenly was in this new world of like, you know, connecting to anyone at any time, anywhere. You know, I'm sitting in my house like a schlub because, you know, I, I still hadn't done anything about my uh, my my health. And, you know, I had just gotten divorced and I felt like crap. But here I was chit-chatting with people, you know, and like <laughs> um, connecting and, you know, feeling really good. So it was for me, the type of, of person that I was at the time, which was very disconnected, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with a lot of life issues going on. Like I was getting, I was like in the midst of divorce. I was not very healthy. I had lost my job at the time. My dad died of cancer. I had a six month old. Uh, or she was, I guess at that point, she was like a year and a half too. Um, you know, and it was an amazing distraction from all of that stuff, right? And it really sucked me in. And on one hand, it provided me with a lot of fun and a lot of confidence that I needed because I was like connecting now with people and they were finding me attractive and um, that felt good. Uh, and, you know, as time went on, I, and I, you know, I was starting to actually go out on dates and meet people in real life. It was, again, it was like fun, but then that was it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, but why isn't anything sticking? Like, you know, some people I wasn't interested in, obviously, but then some people I was, and they weren't interested back. And why weren't they interested back? Like, what's wrong with me? Right. And then you start taking on, you know, over time, you start taking on like, well, nothing's sticking. Like, there's obviously something wrong with me. Um, why is this happening? Why does everybody else get to be in a relationship and I can't like find a relationship? And on top of it, the people that I was interested in were completely unavailable mm. um, emotionally, you know? Mm. And again, it was like I was seeing these patterns. I was doing this health and life coaching certification. I was very, very aware of what was going on. And I was continuing to make the same mistakes over and over again, you know? And I couldn't figure out why, 
why knowing I shouldn't do this. I, I still had compulsions to do it. And again, I liken it to like, you know, you're not supposed to eat that donut. You know, you're not supposed to eat that donut. Like you want to lose 10 pounds before summer, right? But it's staring you right in the face, you know? So, um, so you do it, you know? And uh, eventually I, I, found attachment theory, which, you know, um, I think we spoke about briefly. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that was an opening into understanding my subconscious drives. Um, And that's, and now I've been able, as a result of that work, I've been able to resolve uh, all of these issues, basically, that, um, you know, that, that were, were really difficult difficult for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how has your dating life changed from those, you know, initial first couple of years when you just got out of the divorce and, you know, it wasn't as fulfilling as you were hoping to now that you've put in this work? Well, you might have to send your son into a different room. <laughs> okay, buddy. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll make it PG. <laughs> um, no, I was, um, I was having a lot of fun in the beginning, you know, and, um, and (laughs) (laughs) he has trained in his room. (laughs) Um, I was having a lot of fun in the beginning, you know, and, uh, again, while it was coming from a very, uh, needy place, I also still think that I needed, I needed that whole experience in order to be where I am today. And quite frankly, I'm a completely different person today than I was in my marriage and back in those years. And I consider that kind of like, you know, my divorce as the, um, I don't know, like it was, a, it created this opportunity for me to shift into the new version of myself, uh, you know, and at the time, of course, I didn't see that, right? I didn't know that. But um, I think a lot of us who get divorced kind of experience that, and we don't even realize how numbed out we were in our marriage. You know, we were just kind of like, like zombies going, continuing, fighting every day, not, you know, like not knowing that there's a way out of that kind of thing. And then, um, and so my day, sorry, you asked how my dating life shifted. Um, yeah, so I was having a lot of fun. It was kind of, it was casual, but I wanted more, yet I didn't know how to admit that and explain that. <laughs> this all goes on YouTube, just so I'm clear. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He he interrupts all the time. I, I coach busy moms. This is real life. This is, <laughs> this is how like, it is. <laughs> everything doesn't have to be perfect for you to continue going after what's important to you. So, I love it. I love, love, love it. I'm so glad. <laughs> that is very inspiring for me because um, nothing, nothing is perfect here. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was a lot of fun. And then, you know, I really did uh, one relationship. And now, and, you know, the people I was interested in, even, you know, the people I was calling to me um, were, <laughs> were, um, were, they say, and I don't know if you've heard the statement, but they say that you call and you meet people where you're at, mm-hmm. right? And when people hear that statement, they think like, oh, 
Uh, you mean like people like that are living the lifestyle I'm living or people that are, you know, in similar type jobs as I am or people, but that's not what is really meant by that statement. What's really meant by that statement is that you call people in at the level of your subconscious worth. Mm -hmm. So um, interesting subconscious worth or yeah. work worth worth that's I hadn't heard that before. Right. So what it's like really subconsciously, do you have self-worth? Right. Mm -hmm. And if you do have self-worth, you're calling in or the people that you're matching with are healthy. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're well-meaning and they are not the type of people that I mean, we, we're all going to encounter encounter ghosters at this point in life. Right. Because it is what it is. But essentially, you will be attracted to people who are healthy and communicative and, you know, uh, get, have also a high level of self-worth, you know? Mm -hmm. But if you, are, if you have low subconscious, subconscious worth or no subconscious worth at all, then you're going to call in those types of people too, you know? And that those relationships are those toxic types of relationships where I'm so in love, but then as intense as the love is, is as intense as the fighting is, right? Um, explains yeah. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I won't comment more than there in present, company, but you know, that explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, you gotta go. Too bad. Gotta go. Gotta go. Gotta go. Okay. This isn't, this isn't time for you to be here. This is the one where you can be here. Gotta go play in your room. Go ahead. Go, go, go. I'll let you know when you can come out, okay? Love you. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, pay attention to me. Pay attention Always, to me. Always, right? As soon as you get on doing something, right? And when you're at home, just like being normal, he doesn't care. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> course, yeah. Remind me how old he is again? Six. Six. My daughter is six too. Yeah. Yeah. Our histories are remarkably similar. Uh -huh. um, we both got divorced five years ago. We both got married at 24. Oh, wow. um, yeah. It's uh -huh. um, we, our kids were about the same age uh -huh. at the time when it happened. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you ask like what's different now than then is that before I was attracting people that were not great people because I didn't feel great about myself, you know? And now um, everybody I meet and all the potential around me are really high value people, you know, um, because I value myself more and my time and my, my life and just myself really at the end of the day, you know, um, and I trust myself more. And so I don't, I just, I don't have the same encounters at all as I was having back then. Hmm. And nothing changed. Nothing changed. I'm still dating on the apps. You know what I'm saying? It's not like suddenly I'm in these new circles or my life is like so different in some way. No, I changed and my my environment changed. Yeah, that makes so much sense. So can you paint a picture of, you know, like what a typical dating experience was like before and then what a typical dating experience is like for you now? 
Well, um, first of all, before I was only attracted, for, well, in the beginning, beginning, I was only, uh, I, I make this joke all the time, but it's pretty true that I was only swiping on people with like abs with their shirts off. Okay. <laughs> so there was that. Right? Yeah. There was that section of time. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'm 42 and I, for a long time and, you know, I was, you know, my, my settings were down 10, 11, 12 years younger. And I didn't have a problem with that. And I was more attracted to younger guys, you know, and I had a friend who would tell me, um, what are you like, what are you doing? Like, you're falling in love with a 33 year old? Like, what do, what do you think he's gonna marry you? You know, and I was like, shut up. I'm attracted to younger guys. And there's nothing wrong with younger guys. And listen, there, there absolutely isn't by no means. But again, where my self worth was, um, it didn't matter really how old the guy was, you know, but I was also making my pool less likely for long-term commitments, right? Um, I was dating people who wanted kids. I'm not having any more kids, you know what I mean? Who ultimately wanted kids, you know? Um, I was, yeah. And on top of that, uh, I was dating, it was anybody because I was, I was so, I had no self-worth. So I just needed some external validation, anybody to validate me. So any, oh, not anybody, right. Cause it, it, I still had to like the person or be interested in the person for whatever reason, obviously, but anybody that would give me a certain, a certain amount of attention would catch my attention, you know, and that's all you really had to do. That's all I really needed was to get a certain amount a certain kinds of attention. And then I was into, you, you know, and it didn't matter who you were, what you did, like, you know, if you were good to me outside of that, as long as you breadcrumbed me and gave me a little bit of attention, right. You had me, um, you had me on the line, you know, it was that easy. So now I, because I value my time and myself, you know, I no longer care. Does he like me? Right. I'm not that it, not that I'm not interested, but I, I, you know, the question is always, do I like him? Do I like that he's only calling me once in a while? Do I like that he's not texting enough? You know, whereas before it was like, oh my God, I hope you text me, 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 like on loop for like the whole entire day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, now it's like, I, I don't, you know, I'm not concerned about that kinds of stuff at all. It's very small and petty and I've got other things I'm doing and, you know, I'm, I have a purpose, I have goals. I, it's just a side note. Um, and if it's good, it stays. If it, I'm enjoying it, it stays. And if it's not, it's, you know, it just falls away. Like I don't even have to do anything about it. It just naturally falls away. Yeah. It just kind of fizzles out. Yeah. You know, and before I would spend time and I would uh, like expend energy trying to hold on to these very loose connections, you know, that like somebody was not giving me a lot. Somebody was not showing me a lot of attention, but I was like desperate to hold on to it because at one, you know, for one minute he gave me attention. So I knew that in, like I could, I thought I could get that back, you know? Um, yeah. And I spent a lot of time and energy trying to get that that back and losing myself more in the process. Mm-hmm. And then your happiness is depends on, dependent on the actions of someone else. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, 
no, I thank you so much for being open about that and sharing that because I know there are a ton of people in the audience who can relate. And then there are other people in the audience who are maybe having the complete opposite experience where they're just like, I don't want to have anything to do with this. Stay away from me. Um, and so, you know, there's a variety of experiences, but I appreciate yeah. you being so open and honest mm -hmm. about how you were feeling and what you were mm -hmm. thinking, because mm -hmm. we all go through something like mm -hmm. that. If it's, if it's not like yours, we all have our mm -hmm. own experience and of the traps we get caught in. And, you know, I mean, mine just happens to be very similar to yours. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think it's, I think it's so important for us to speak openly about mm -hmm. that so that we can come to a place of not being there anymore. Right. Right. And also like not judging it either. So what, why I like, again, what brought me here and you're talking about the people that are completely on the opposite ends of that, uh, what I do and what I understand now is, is that is, that there's a kind of subconscious formula that um, that happens. And it's a result of the way that we were raised, right? And that comes in the form of attachment styles and attachment theory. And anybody that's interested could obviously reach out to me. Or, I mean, there's a book called Attached, which really broke by Amir Levine with an A in the beginning, um, that really broke this kind of open, uh, this conversation open right into the to the public because um, attachment theory has always been around, right? But it's always been related to kids and how, you know, and how they grow up. Mm -hmm. um, the, they, this book is specific to relationships and how those childhood attachments um, result in the way that we act as adults. And what for me is very fascinating about it is kind of sort of how formulaic it is dependent on how you were raised, you know? And so when people come to me and they're like, you know, they tell, like, I can tell pretty quickly what style they are. You take a quiz. I have a quiz on my, um, my Instagram actually that anybody could take for free an attachment style I quiz. It. I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, the second you tell me what your attachment style is, I can tell you exactly how you act to act in relationships you know, and people are like, oh, oh my God, that's me. That's me. That's me. You know? And it's, um, for me, it was the same thing. When I read the book, I was like, oh my God, like somebody sees me. Like I am heard, like, I'm not a crazy person. I'm not, um, you know, this isn't all going on in my head. Uh, there's, there's something wrong with me, but it's like, so is there with another 25% of the population, <laughs> you know, because supposedly my uh, attachment style, it's like 25% of the population. So, you know, it just felt like um, I wasn't alone in, anymore in, in this, you know, suffering because, you know, again, I got divorced. My friends are married. My cousin's married. You know, I'm pretty close with her. And, um, you know, everybody's looking at me like I'm nuts going through this dating process, you know, and getting upset and obsessed with all these like different guys. And, you know, you start to feel crazy when uh, you're kind of alone in that, you know? Yeah, I mean, it totally makes sense. Um, well, yeah, let's get into the attachment stuff first. And then mm -hmm. I'll the idea I was just going to say. Mm -hmm. um, so like, let's, let's get into it. What is attachment theory? Okay, so your attachment style is based on basically the emotional attunement you received as a child. Okay, and emotional attunement refers to um, whether your like parents or your family life um, 
allowed you to experience emotions healthily, right? Um, validated your emotions, supported your emotional states, repaired with you your emotional states. So, you know, if you were upset about something and angry, they kind of showed you how to like navigate that anger in a healthy way. And that happens, you know, by talking to you directly as well as modeling in the home, right? So that they were able to repair arguments together and have healthy communication around um, certain things. And um, the secure kids who grew up in homes like that, where there was a proper, there was proper emotional attunement, they become securely attached adult individuals. So in relationships, they tend to be, um, they're not afraid to communicate their needs or their feelings, generally speaking. Um, they can set boundaries around their life and uh, around the relationship that are healthy and inclusive of the partner without, you know, um, without creating like a distance uh, of sorts, you know, um, they, uh, they, they communicate well, uh, they're comfortable with their emotions. So they're comfortable expressing their emotions. Um, and so generally they're good. I mean, every, like I want to say in general that we all experience some version of this at different times in our life and different relationships, like all the different attachment styles, right? A secure person might, uh, you know, act differently given a certain relationship they're in, but generally speaking, this is their, their go-to. And at the core of secure attachment is they understand that they have a responsibility for their partner, right? And they, they desire to take on that responsibility. Um, and then, uh, then you have the anxiously attached, um, situation or adult, but that comes from a childhood where the emotional attunement was inconsistent. So maybe sometimes they got it. And for whatever reason, sometimes they didn't. Um, and that created a pattern of like desperation and desire and craving to always have it because they never knew, is it going to come back? When is it going to come back? Um, will it ever come back? Right. And for me, I'm, I, ha I have a primary anxious attachment style and that is because my parents were immigrants. So when they were around, they were great and they were wonderful, but they were working all the time. So I, you know, I remember as a kid, I would be sitting on the steps at like seven o'clock, you know, pre phone, uh, cell phones, <laughs> you know, uh, waiting for my mom to come home and she would go food shopping and not tell us, you know, uh, or not get in touch, you know, in the appropriate time. And I would just be hysterical crying, like, you know, am I ever going to see my mom again kind of thing. But this was like night after night after night. This wasn't just like one off kind of situation, you know, um, and so you grow up as an adult to become, uh, you're probably generally anxious on some level, right? And um, you, you are that type, you are the type that is um, needy, needy in relationship, right? Um, you like, you'd like a lot of attention. You want a lot of reassurance. Um, you like a lot of phone calls. You like a lot of time together. Uh, you know, you just always need to be reassured uh, on some level that everything is okay, you know, and you're not comfortable with space and time uh, and unknown space and time, right? Uh, and then it also makes it hard to communicate because you're constantly afraid to lose the relationship. 
So if you commu- you're afraid to communicate needs, your own needs, because if you communicate your needs, uh, you might lose that relationship, mm-hmm. right? Um, also, on the other side of it, it results in people pleasing. So you're always trying to, you know, do for the other person or fix or help so that they stay in your life, right? Um, the other style, the other major style is avoidant attachment, which is the complete opposite spectrum of anxious attachment. So what happens to the avoidant child is that their, uh, emotional needs were like completely neglected. Um, and they learn to shut down, uh, their, their emotional centers, basically like they did it. They just completely shut it down. So they don't, experience a range of emotions really um and they, that you know can result from i don't know possibly having a parent who is just working all the time or completely um disconnected from the child like i've had i i had a client who uh said that she her mom was uh, and her dad were always around but she was raised by nanny so you know, the, the like emotional need, her emotional needs, that attachment with the parents wasn't there. The nanny was great and wonderful, but the, you know, that uh, attunement that she needed from her parents wasn't there. Um, so as a, as an adult, you become somebody who's very self-motivated, very, um, you know, uh, focused on career things, uh, passions, but not on other people at all. You don't seek, uh, you get very triggered by people trying to get intimate with you or close with you um, on an emotional level, not to say physical level, but on an emotional level, it's like too much. You know, I've dated a bunch of avoidance and we'll talk about that in a minute, but um, I also know several avoidance that don't like to, don't like to text, don't like to call, don't like to be, on the phone a lot, happy to see you once a week, once every two weeks, but anything above that maybe is too much. Um, you know, and, and so you could see how that's like on the opposite spectrum of the anxious style. Right. And there's a lot more like nuances on, on everything, but I'm just talking generally, right. The avoidant person won't stay in relationship for more than two to three months may have never had a long-term relationship, probably into some you know, possibly like a, a super athlete or possibly a, uh, a super gamer, you know, or something like that. Um, and then the fear, then there's fearful avoidant, which is the smallest percent of the population. And they tend to be kind of, um, have, came from a chaotic and confused upbringing, generally from uh, abusive homes of some sort. Um, whether it was physical, emotional, mental, uh, sexual abuse, and, uh, they basically really want love, but also can't trust it. So they experience both the avoidant and the anxious styles, like constantly changing, uh, changing course, depending on if somebody wants to be close with them, then they push them away. If somebody wants to push them away, then they want to be close. Um, but they basically cannot trust the people they love because that's how they grew up. Hmm. That sounds painful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people can find out which one they are by taking your quiz. And then 
can that change? What do, what can they do to have better outcomes if they find them, that, that they're not, they don't have a secure attachment style? Um, you can absolutely move into what's called earn secure. Hmm. Um, and you can move along the spectrum to security. And the thing with, um, with this stuff, again, is that when you don't know uh, anything about this and you've never heard of it and you're not like really aware you act from this place. Um, but once you do know, you can start to recognize your behaviors, right? And recognize the link and then start to question, uh, you know, where it's coming from and what this is really about. You know, am I really upset that he didn't text me or do I just not want to be alone right now? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. do I just not want to sit with myself? Mm-hmm. Like what's really going on here? You know, um, and then, you know, moreover, what I wanted to say is it is a spectrum. And uh, what I was saying kind of when I started was that um, we experience on some level all of these ways of being. Um, so you, it's not 100% fixed. And also, you can, in your love relationships, which tend to mirror your parental relationships the most, right? That's why it's so. Uh, it's so related here, but we we can have attachment styles like in career, and we can have kind of an attachment uh, style with our friendships. And you know, I, for example, am very secure in my friendships. Right, I don't have issues at all around around that stuff. But I've been very anxious in my love relationships. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. So there's, you know, it it can change and switch around, but yes, you can move towards secure. Absolutely. Um, But it's a lot, it's a lot of work, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I know that so much of this is subconscious. And when you think of attraction, it's very much like a primal subconscious thing. And so when you're moving towards more, something more secure, um, if you're, constantly attracted to the wrong person does that mean you're going to have to live without those fireworks and you know sparks and everything or will your attractions also change your attractions also change Hmm. because when you change your personal value your desires change right when your internal when you meet your own internal needs you don't need anybody to satisfy those, Mm. right? That's on the anxious side, right? On the avoidance side, when you you can open up to the fact that you do need other people, because ultimately an avoidant person wants relationship, right? They just freeze up when, uh, when, when it comes close right? And they don't know how to move past that like freeze mode, right? They literally go into their dorsal um, dorsal nervous system, right? Which is like a very old part of our nervous system, right? And all of this, you know, on the other side, I mean, like, uh, I want to tell everybody to go to my masterclass because I talk about all this stuff in detail, right? There's a lot to do with the brain and there's a lot to do with the nervous system components of all of this. <laughs> careful with the computer, sorry. Um, and, 
And so that's what makes this all so hard and so difficult because as an anxious person, right, you say you're anxious too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. It's rough, like the anxiety, you feel it, you know it, it, it you know, it, it's like something you have to deal with, right? But with the, with the avoidant person, they kind of on some level are happy on their own and they have been related a lot <laughs> to narcissists because they uh they tend to be okay on their own and they kind of sort of don't need anybody until one day they're like why am I alone Mm. you know why am I 50 and alone I just spoke to this woman who's like 60 years old and uh has never had a relationship wow Mm -hmm. that's she she was attractive I you know when I heard that well because I had spoken to her an email or you know not visually. And then I just expected her to be, I don't know what I expected her to be, but when (laughs) I actually um, saw her, she was a very attractive woman. You know, there was like nothing wrong with her, um, like on the outside, but, you know, clearly that is just a lot of deep avoidant stuff going on, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this affects us on such a deep level with something that's so you know, central to a lot of people's lives. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, they say there, I don't know the exact statistics, I'm bad at, at this kind of stuff, but um, <laughs> hi. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the people who are, are alone, um, you people who are alone die quicker, right? There's like an actual statistic around that, that loneliness is, you know, will kill you like 10% and will take 10, 10 years off your life or something like that, you know? Um, because we need, we literally physically, physiologically need other people, uh, in order to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, in, it's deep, it's intense. It's, I mean, a core part of our nature. Right. Um, so for the moms who are listening to this, um, there could be a variety of reasons they're dating. Um, and some people could be in non-monogamous relationships and are choosing to date. So for anyone who's dating now, um, their mother, they have kids. Let's talk about some of the logistics, you know? <laughs> so um, for people who are recently out of a long-term relationship, I know for me, the kid, like you, it was like, apps what do you mean apps I don't want to get on these dating apps Mm -hmm. no like I want to just go to a bar and meet people Mm -hmm. and I remember thinking I was well first of all society gives us all of these messages right like Mm -hmm. I was 10 years older Mm -hmm. I had stretch marks now because I had given birth Mm -hmm. you know the whole idea that mothers are you know somehow less desirable other than as a milf fetish right Mm -hmm. Um, so you have all these messages and I was like, oh my God, I don't even want to start dating. It's going to be horrible. No one's going to be interested in me. Um, and for a long time, like when I was open to the idea of starting to date again for a long time, that was the case. Like I didn't get hit on a single time in a year appropriately. I mean, you, you get those inappropriate, you know, whatever cat call type of thing, but I, did, I wasn't even really getting that very much, but the, the mm-hmm. times I did get hit on, it was very much like skeevy and appropriate type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I really just believe I'm like, I'm not desirable anymore. Nobody wants me. But um, you, you hear what you're saying, right? That, that was your belief. 
Mm -hmm. Therefore, that's what you were attracting. Yes, that that makes sense. Um, But then when I finally did give in and get on dating apps, Mm -hmm. because that's what people told me, they're like, no, Nicole, people don't like just hit on you in person anymore. Everyone's on apps. Mm -hmm. No one does that anymore. If you want that to happen, it's not going to happen. You Mm -hmm. have to get on the apps. And so Mm -hmm. finally I did. And it was a completely different story. Mm -hmm. And they were absolutely right. Like people, I mean, still, I can't remember the last time I was hit on in person. Like I can think of one time in the past few years I was hit on in person. Mm -hmm. And, but meanwhile on apps, it's like a complete, it's just a completely different norm than it was like 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And so, you know, for people who are just getting into this, like let's, let's walk them through like, okay, Mm -hmm. dating in the modern world, (laughs) one-on-one. Um, yeah, I mean, so for, again, like it all leads back to openness and, and belief system in general, right? So if you're going to walk, you're going to come into the apps with a negative attitude, you're going to have a negative result. Um, if you are going to go in and think that every guy is sexual, you are going to find every sexual guy on there that is going to want to only, you know, uh, be casual, right? If you're, that's what you think you're, you're getting into. Um, it really has everything to do with mindset. And I don't only know this because I know this, but I also know this because I, I have personally experienced all the different, um, variations of it myself where in the beginning I was so open so like excited about the experience it was so fun for me kind of, you know um and then later on I, I became like jaded you know and my experience was different and then uh you know it, it just you it, it everything is how you see it so I know without a shadow of a doubt that it can be fun and it can be like flourishing and it could give you confidence and you know it could it could feel great and uh i also know it can feel really shitty you know and like one note and you're not getting anything out of it so uh, that's why my first thing you know the first question you asked me i said you know what's the one i think you said like what's the one piece of advice or something like that and yeah, that what's the difference between the moms you enjoy it and the moms you don't <laughs> right and then you know really it's about that's why it is about expectations right because when you go in expecting to find the one like we talked about which is there really the one you know mm-hmm. um there's the one for the time but that time changes, you know, hopefully, hopefully you're changing with time and you're not just stagnant and standing still, you know? Um, and so, uh, so yeah. So if you don't have, if you don't go in there with like crazy expectations and it's a tool that you use side by side with other things that are fulfilling your life, it can be fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it totally can be fun. Yeah. <laughs> I can second that. I, I've had yeah. I've had plenty of fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and I, you know, I, like what you're saying about not having expectations resonates and makes sense with me too, because I feel like when I speak with a lot of other women I know who will just get really they'll take it very personally if they're ghosted or if they're, mm-hmm. they like someone and they don't text them back, or if something doesn't go anywhere after a couple months and I feel like for me, the reason I can enjoy it so much is because I know that's going to happen. That's part of the whole process of 
meeting people and it doesn't get to me as much. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you're right. That makes a huge difference from the conversations I've had. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I was in that place where I would get personally offended, you know, that somebody like when I first, first got on the apps uh, and I was talking, you know, you chat back and forth with somebody and we'd be in the midst of a conversation and then they would just drop off. And I couldn't comprehend that. Even that, I couldn't comprehend that. Mm. It's like, we were just talking. Where'd, where'd you go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you coming back? Or did we finish our conversation? I, I don't get it. You know what I mean? Did I like, say something? Do you not like me anymore? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, and I couldn't, you know, because I had no life at the time, right? I, like, I kind of explained, I kind of, like, lost everything, and I was just, like, by myself taking care of my child at home, you know? I couldn't understand that people had other things to do, too, and this was just kind of, like, a side note in their lives, you know? For me, at the in that moment, it was kind of uh, everything. So if you treat it that way, <laughs> you know, uh, it's going to be very disappointing, but if, you know, it's just like a tool, maybe I'll meet somebody, maybe I'll go out, I'll get a drink, you know, I'll meet another human, not necessarily my husband's or my next boyfriend, you know, <laughs> it's, it can be very, uh, very, very cool and very fun. Yeah. I've met really great friends on dating apps. Exactly. Exactly. People who are probably going to be in my life for the rest of my life. Not as a husband, but right, in right. my life, you know? Right. And that's the thing too. It's, you know, the way that we're living today, especially during COVID, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't even think it's fair to call them dating apps, to be honest with you, because it, it creates a certain, that even that creates a certain expectation, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there's something even wrong in the, in the moniker of the whole thing, right? If they were called connection apps, mm-hmm. uh, me, meeting apps, or something like that, it would have a completely different context and you wouldn't be putting so much pressure on each and every date. I love that. I wish they would do that because I feel like, you know, my experience like 90% of the time on a first date is, wow, this person is awesome. And I feel no spark at all, but they're really lovely. Right. I'm not feeling what they are hoping I'm going to feel or what, you know, we're supposed to feel on a date. Right. That would just alleviate all, like, I love that. Right. Right. Yeah. So if you think of it like that, right, if you change that, if you reframe that in your own brain, right, then you have a completely different experience going into each and every date. Yeah. And it takes the pressure off for it to turn into something romantic if the spark's not there, as opposed to if you're having a random conversation, people don't expect, you know, that they're going to kiss you by the end of the night. So there's no pressure. Right. That would be much better. I um I advocate for you making that. <laughs> I will be the first person on it. I feel like Clubhouse is turning a little bit into that. Like there are so many singles conversations on Clubhouse, but it's not that same kind of pressure where if you talk to someone, they're expecting that that's it. Where you know now that's it. You might be my next wife or husband. You know, right, right, because it's more realistic, and because there's so many other people there too. You're not like you're not um, under some sort of uh, some sort of like facade that they're not talking to anybody else, right? You actively see them speaking to other people, you know, while you're in the same room with them. So it's like a mixer in some you know, on some level where, you know, you have access to the other 200 people in this room, they have access to the other 200 people in this room. And we are all just kind of mixing, chatting and getting to know, you know, each other. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And that brings up something else, you know, mm-hmm. like expectations, right? I feel like to a certain degree, there's probably just not one right answer. People are allowed to have different expectations, but perhaps there are, you know, norms or, you know, ways that are considered generally um, appropriate to behave. And so, like you said, dating apps, you know, just because someone's chatting with you, it's not bad if they're chatting with like five or 10 other people or whatnot. Um, So what are kind of the expectations? And at what point do you think generally, again, I'm sure it's okay to have different expectations, but at what point do you generally think it's about time to start talking about what you expect as far as um, things like seriousness or exclusivity or, you know, that they're not, you know, with a million other people besides you or whatever the case may be? Um, there's no single answer to this stuff. Um, you know, in my, in my course, in my, um, in my work, you know, what I, I do with people and for people is get them to understand themselves, themselves so well that they get to make their own rules about what works for them and what makes sense for them. Um, because it's going to be diff, you know, that that timeline is going to be different for not only every person, but also every couple, right? Some couples will move very slowly, get to know each other over time, become friends, eventually become romantic, possibly. Some couples, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Some couples will meet sparks of fire and they never leave each other's side. And, you know, who knows what happens like down the line kind of thing. But, you know, that happens too. Some people, you know, and every variation between really, right? So how can I, I tell you, like, I, there's, it's impossible for me to give you one answer. And that's the thing, you know, people come to me, to dating coaches, to, um, uh, you know, to anything, and they want one answer. They just want an answer. Mm-hmm. How long do I wait before I sleep with him? hmm it doesn't matter because if you don't feel good about yourself on the inside and you sleep with him on date one, you're going to feel like shit. And if you wait six weeks and he, he leaves on week four, you're going to hate yourself anyway. And you're going to think it's your fault that he left because you didn't sleep with him. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what the action that you take doesn't matter. How you feel about yourself is what matters because it won't matter. It, it, that action, as long as it doesn't make you feel bad uh, or doesn't change your level of self-worth, you will continue to take the correct steps afterwards uh, to, uh, sorry, you'll, you'll continue to take the correct steps afterwards that will show, will continue to show your level of self-value, right? But if you sleep with the person and it makes you feel shitty, like if you sleep with somebody early on, this happens to women a lot, right? You sleep with somebody early on, then you start to feel guilty about it. Or you start to feel bad about yourself. And then you show up with lower self-value afterwards, right? So if you know yourself to be that type of person, then don't sleep with them early, right? But if you know that you can sleep with them and that doesn't change how you feel about yourself at all and you know the relationship continues and then he doesn't act right and you can still walk away, Fine, but if you've become attached because you've slept with him, now you feel shitty about yourself. So you're just like hoping he'll stay 
and you know he does something shitty and you forgive him because you've already slept with him and now you don't want to go and find somebody else to sleep with you know what I mean it just becomes like this cycle and the cycle all leads back to how you feel about yourself at the end of the day and I love that you know um like the idea that there's no wrong answer and then also I guess that means that on the other side there's no wrong answer too you know because I feel like one thing I hear a lot um is I mean, I hate to say it, but unfortunately I hear a lot of like men bashing, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, oh, well, these guys don't want relationships. And I'm like, but they're allowed to not want relationships as Mm -hmm. long as they're honest about it. They tell you that at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like why, like, I would be like, thank you for telling me that. Mm -hmm. Like, why be upset about it? You know? Or like if guys are looking for something, you know, sexual or even some uh-huh. people are on, you know, like they're looking for someone to satisfy, to like explore fetishes or whatever. Right. Like, right. Oh, I really hope you find that. And yeah. maybe that's something I can fulfill or maybe it's, uh-huh. I think it's great to have like a, a kind of a culture where we can, we're all real comfortable knowing what our own needs are and communicating them. And we can all appreciate and respect other people's needs and desires. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and that, you know, it's funny like that you say that because that conversation comes up a lot for me that, um, oh my God, can you believe this guy? He, you know, it just says that he just wants sex. And I was like, that's like the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Now you get to decide, <laughs> do you want the same thing or not? You don't? Okay. You know, swipe left. You do? Fantastic. Go, but know what you're getting into. You know what I mean? <laughs> know exactly what you're getting into. He's told you, you know, that's all he's looking for. You know, Which I think is the ethical way of approaching that situation. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I, I give those guys kudos, honestly. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I think, you know, that is a pot for me, that's positive side of the dating apps. If people are being honest, of course, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, they do have those check boxes. Are you looking for something serious? Are you looking for something casual? You don't know yet. Right. I think Bumble has those, um, specifically. So it is helpful, right. Cause you do kind of get to, you can match up with somebody who has similar goals as you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. And I think also, the more we bash certain desires over others, the more people don't want to admit them in themselves and then they hide them sometimes even from themselves, you know, and right, right, and you right. end up with people who aren't, you know, who say they want one thing when really they want something else, which doesn't mm-hmm. help anybody. Right. 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 And that, you know, that's that part of us that is afraid to, because we are so attached to the outcome having this person stay, we, we become afraid of saying what we really want, you know, um, because then they might leave and then we're all alone again with ourselves who we don't really even like anyway. Mm, wow. That, <laughs> yeah, that's, but right? it's so, yeah, I mean, that's really true. Um, yeah, no, you've brought up so many great points about expectations. Oh, there was one that was just in my mind and I, I completely, I'll come back to it. I'm sure it'll occur <laughs> again. Um, but what about, um, I know you said there's no right answer to any of this, but what advice do you have for someone when they're thinking about um, when they want to introduce the kids, how they want to involve the kids? Should they involve the kids? Should they not? Um, 
I think, again, it has to do with how you feel, right? So if you feel like you can introduce the kids um, and that doesn't create some sort of bond, connection, attachment for you with this person, um, and you can still let this person go. So I, I, I want to say this. I have one rule and only one rule, okay? The only rule that I have is you have to be willing to lose the match, the partner, the boyfriend, the husband, always in life. You have to always be willing to lose the other person in respecting yourself and your needs first, always, right? So if I don't care if you're with somebody for 10 years, if things change, you know, this is what I'm saying, like the one doesn't necessarily exist because if you've changed and this person isn't meeting your needs anymore, you need to reassess and you need to decide whether this is the relationship that is going to help you to continue to grow and push, you know, push your life forward in the way that you want it to go. Mm -hmm. um, and so my only rule is that you, you always have to be willing to lose. So if meeting your kids is, um, is going to make you feel like a greater attachment to this person and it's still early days and you're not hundred percent clear on where the relationship is going, then don't introduce them to your kid. You know, mm -hmm. why complicate the situation? You know, maybe you're the person that needs a commitment first, you know, some version of commitment, whatever that is for you before you can introduce them to your kids. Right. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe you don't have any connection with them. That doesn't mean anything to you when you're, you know, you've kind of told me that you're like this, right? Like they're all just friends at the end of the day. It, you know, the fact that they've met my son or not doesn't mean that, you know, now they have to stay or now, you know, they're, they're like a, a, another parent, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, your kid can see them come and your kid can see them go and like all your other friends, right? Mm -hmm. um, so if you have that level of attachment to it and it's totally fine for you, then do it that way. That's also fine, right? That's why there's no single answer to questions like that, because again, it all comes down to how you feel um, about, you know, and is it going to hurt you in some way, you know, and can you move past that hurt in a health, healthy way? You know, there is a certain level I want to say that is also important that, um, you know, another thing, another really big portion of this is like, we spend so much time and our subconscious really is in charge of not allowing us to be hurt. Right. <laughs> Even though it gets us hurt a lot of the times because it's using old coping mechanisms from childhood, right? Um, but essentially what it's trying to do is trying to stop you from being hurt. So we will do things like um, not introduce our kids or, you know, until we're getting married because then we've created some sort of like concept of safety that, you know, well, now he's, now I got a ring. So now I own him <laughs> or, you know, um, so now it's okay. Now it's safe, you know, but the reality is you're probably going to get hurt again, you know? Mm -hmm. So you can live life trying to protect yourself and trying to control, you know, all the pieces so that you mitigate that hurt, or you can just live, enjoy the experience, you know, and yeah, yeah, maybe you'll get hurt, but that's also part of life. Yeah, it totally is. Um, yeah, and I per personally, I can't even think of 
you know, getting attached or serious with somebody, like considering them seriously until I've seen them with my son. Like, I feel like that's like so important to me. And I'm not saying everyone I introduce to my son, it's like a screening process to see if mm-hmm. they're going to be, no, it's not like that at right. all. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, he happens to be there. They have, you know, if uh, it'll just happen casually one day, usually like without right. me thinking about it, mm-hmm. but like, if they're not instant best friends and I've had this happen where like, I've seen someone with my son and it was like, I, this is never going past casual. <laughs> like, right. Right. You right. know, cause I just uh-huh. didn't like what I saw and I couldn't exactly. imagine, uh, you know, for, and this is me personally, mm-hmm. I couldn't, I feel like for me, I wouldn't want to be in the situation where I have become attached to somebody mm-hmm. and I do imagine we have a future together. And then I see something I don't like when I introduce them to my son, because mm-hmm. I feel like for me, that would be so much harder and right, get over right, right. the beginning. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, that works. Uh, that's like you said, I guess I, I'm the only person I know who does that. I don't know mm-hmm. anybody else, but mm-hmm. it, I feel very comfortable with it and it's, it's been helpful for me. So. Right. Right. But that's, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, you feel comfortable with it. It's not an issue for you. The only time it probably became an issue is when you started talking to other people and they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe you do that. Yeah. And <laughs> no one said it just like that, but you can right. hear when people talk about it, they're like, uh-huh. Oh, I would never introduce my kids right, and right. blah, blah, blah. And I'm just uh-huh. like, Okay. <laughs> yes, I'm the There's worst one here. Something wrong with that? <laughs> like, <laughs> but it's not. There's nothing wrong with it as long as you're, you know, again, it's all about how you feel about uh, about it, you know? And if you feel fine about it and it's working for you and nothing, no ro- boats are getting rocked and you're not emotionally like drained from it, you know, then it is fine. Yeah, totally. My only thing, and again, this is me personally, but uh-huh. I wouldn't um, you know, now, especially he's older to, you know, get more uh-huh. attached to people and understand, right. I wouldn't want to bring someone around often enough where it'll be really difficult for him if it does end, unless right, there's right. A commitment. Right. You know? Exactly. That's, exactly. Yeah. you know, that's uh-huh. just how I've handled it. When he was younger, it didn't make as much of a difference because right. he's like, you know, uh-huh. who cares? He yeah. Didn't. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't remember. You know, I will say this. I do know, like I personally in my divorce contract have an agreement um, that I'm, we can't introduce anybody till six months. Mm. So, you know, we did that in benefit of like the, you know, thinking about the children, not letting them get attached to people that maybe were going to be in and out of our lives. Um, and so, you know, I'm sure that there are a lot of other single moms out there that have similar, similar parts of their, of their divorce, you know, uh, agreements. So that, that could also just kind of be like a buffer, you know, it kind of takes that decision portion of things away from you and makes it a little bit easier to date and not have to worry about that as a, uh, as a part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it just goes back to, it's great to have a culture where all of us can figure out what's best for us and our families and then respect it in other people. Right. Exactly. Exactly. If only we could <laughs> all do if that. Only everyone could do right. that. It'd be great. Um, we cannot end this episode without talking about um, how the attachment styles get attracted to people. Okay. Because <laughs> I find yeah. this fascinating. Yeah, it is really fascinating. So what happens, the, you know, the, what you're alluding to is the avoidant loop, it, the anxious avoidant loop is what it's called. And when the, um, what happens 
is that the anxious person is um, used to inconsistent love, basically, or inconsistent emotional attunement, right? So they're used to getting it a little bit, then it being pulled away, crying, wanting, wanting, getting it a little bit, then it being pulled away, wanting, wanting, wanting. The avoidant person um, does not like to be, uh, doesn't like when somebody is pushing them too much, yet they doesn't, you know, they get, um, why am I, I'm losing my words. We've been talking for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) They they get triggered when somebody wants to pull them close emotionally, right? Um, Or get intimate with them on an emotional level. So the, but the avoidant person who on the outside is very kind of uh, doesn't seem like they have a lot of emotions deep on the inside. They want love like everybody else. They're human. They need and they want it. They just literally do not know how to go about it, right? Because they don't have emotional, um, they never had emotional, anybody show them how to deal with those emotions and how to have those emotions and be okay with them, right? Mm-hmm. So they just stop it, yeah. right? just physically, not mentally, right? Not cognitively, like physically their body shuts down in one way or another. Um, Two of my avoidant boyfriends uh, would sweat profusely when I tried to cuddle with them. (laughs) You know, like, like, like you have to get off of me. I'm hot. I can't handle this kind of thing. Wow. You know? And I mean, and they would, they would like pouring, you know, like kind of sweat stuff, you know? Um, that's what I mean when it's physical, right? And doesn't mean that everybody that sweats yeah. <laughs> you're close to them is avoidant, but it it do- also does make sense that that would, you know, that's how it shows up sometimes, you know? I've seen like body language completely change. Right. Like, person's right. normal demeanor just completely uh-huh. change in an intimate situation. Like yeah. they're a totally different person. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. you're like, what is going on? But it it's their own... Uh, it's their coping mechanism, their physiological coping mechanism in order to stop them from feeling anything, but they don't even know that's happening. They don't even know that that's what is actually going on. And so very deep that they just think like, oh, I'm just hot, get off. <laughs> like, wow, I'm, yeah. I'm hot, right? And that's how it comes across. And you're like, but, but I want to cuddle, you know? And yeah. like, but I'm hot, <laughs> get off of me, you know? So anyway, um, this avoidant person really wants love. This anxious person is like, I love you. I want to love you. I initially, right in the early stages and the avoidant person is kind of attracted to that, that openness and that extra emotion because they don't have, they don't have it and they see, and they want this love and they see that they could potentially, you know, they see that in this other person, they get together, but the avoidant person cannot handle uh, the overspill of emotion that the anxious person has and the needs and the desires of constantly wanting to be together, constant reassurance. Um, but they, you know, at this point they're in love, right? The chemicals have hit, the attraction has happened. That crazy chemistry went off. Mm -hmm. So the avoidant person goes away, uh, is like back off, like stay away from me. They leave the anxious person's like, come back, come back, come back, come back. Uh, The avoidant person does not. The anxious person gives up and goes into their own hole of misery, like with ice cream and a movie. (laughs) (laughs) 
And just when the anxious person is like, fine, I got to, I give up on this. The avoidant person's like, oh, hey, <laughs> hey, I'm ready now. I'm good. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, in my personal avoidant relationships, it's about a two week cycle for the avoidant person to, um, you know, come around and, you know, and like for their, their, what do you call their nervous system to calm down enough and then for them to be ready as long as I'm not being overly pushy or, you know, I wasn't being overly pushy at the time, but it, uh, yeah, but you can see how two people that have completely different emotional needs, um, that get together and fall in love, uh, have a very toxic relationship as a result of this, uh, this connection. And it happens very, very often because supposedly, and again, I don't know that there's like hard, hard evidence behind this, um, but I think it says it actually in the book attached that most of the people, most secure people tend to end up in relationships. And most of the people on dating apps, this is not a good sell for dating apps, but a lot of people on dating apps are anxious or avoidant. And so they find each other um, a lot. And, and, you know, there's a lot of kinds of toxic relationship stuff that ends up happening um, as a result. Uh, and I, I can say that in my experience, like if I have to think back on a lot of the people that I, a lot, some of the secure people don't, that I've met didn't stay on the app yeah. a long time. You know what I mean? They ended up in relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And then there are those people that you see, because, you know, I've primarily dated on the apps for the last five years. Then there are those people that you see that are on the apps, like just all the time. Like five years later, there's that, <laughs> there's that same person. They're still oh, there, you know? <laughs> Um, you know, they never really left. Maybe they left for like a little bit, you know, but then, you know, then they're, then they're still there. So, um, yeah, that was like a tangent, but yeah. <laughs> really interesting. But yeah, that's the avoidant, uh, that's the anxious avoidant loop that ends up happening. And it, it is, uh, what did I call it last time? Trauma bonding, mm. right? Because it's like our childhood shit. That's really, it's not us speaking to each other that are really that's really bonding it's our subconsciouses that are bonding our subconscious traumas are bonding together and trying to solve um our childhood shit through each other right because if the anxious person gets the avoidant person to stay then they will feel their 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 they will feel validated right i finally got that love that I was dying for from childhood to stay with me, finally made it stay, you know, therefore I'm worthy. Mm -hmm. Right. And the avoidant is trying to find that love too. Right. And if only they could access those parts of themselves, then they too would, would be like, you know, then they'll be okay also. Right. But all of our cope, you know, all of these coping mechanisms we've discussed kind of stop it from really actually happening. Mm -hmm. So should anxious people be with other anxious people and text each other 80 million times a day and then everyone would be happy? 
Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Avoidant people just find other avoidant people and they can see each other three times a year and be fulfilled. So, avoidant people won't even make it past go because neither one's going to call the other one back. <laughs> <laughs> um, anxious people don't tend to be attracted, generally speaking, to other anxious people because it's too close for comfort. They see it. Hmm. And they don't, they don't want, like, they in their head want somebody who's going to be there all the time with them, right? Like, again, it's in your cognitive brain, you want a healthy relationship. But your subconscious is familiar with the up and down, the inconsistency of love, the in out, the I'm here for a minute, I'm gone now, I'm here. So the subconscious seeks the familiar. And the avoidant gives the anxious the familiar. That now, now I'm questioning whether or not I'm anxious because every relationship I've had in adulthood has been with someone else who's very much attached like that. Like we text each other 8 million times a day. We do like everything together mm -hmm. and that just seemed to work. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're also anxious. I mean, listen, you can just be falling into healthy relationships uh, that, that work and may... Because you have anxiety does not mean you necessarily have anxious attachment, mm -hmm. although the two do tend to go together. Anxious attachment is triggered only when um, like that avoidant thing hits. So, you know, like those people that are like, how come I like him um, only like I didn't like him. And then when he pulled away, then I liked him. Like that's anxious attachment mm -hmm. at its core. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like I end up meeting like initially like attracted to a lot of people like that uh -huh. and ending with a lot of people like that. But it it usually it I guess it stays more casual. Like it doesn't get to the point of being in a relationship. Who knows? Maybe there's something to explore there. You know, we <laughs> <laughs> have to talk more. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, this is so much fun. I feel like I could just keep talking to you about dating forever. Um, I don't think he would allow that. Clearly <laughs> <laughs> not. But I mean, it's just so interesting, and it's such valuable information to have. And I just want to like drill like for for those moms who are maybe in the place I was at, where it was like, oh my god, no one's ever going to want me, or for people who are thinking this is going to be horrible, like. Like this can be a rewarding and enjoyable and fun experience. And no, it will not always be fun. I don't care how wonderful, how sexy you are. Yes, you'll get ghosted sometimes. Yes, relationships will fizzle out. Yeah, not everything will work out, but it could be like, it could be just like overall an amazing experience. And I just hope that moms after hearing this have some hope have realistic, healthy expectations based on what you said. Right. And maybe some who are, you know, wanting something like this will take the first step. And maybe some who've had very unfulfilling, you know, relationship experiences and dating experiences will contact Flora Ong and take her <laughs> survey and, you know, mm -hmm. but no, take the information and use mm -hmm. it to um, recognize some of our own patterns and get to a healthier place. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, let's, let's hope. <laughs> um, I do want to say, if uh, you don't mind, that I am running a group, and I don't know when this is going to air, but I'm uh, launching my group program, which is starting on March 24th. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a six-week program that will 
cut through a lot of this subconscious stuff that we've been talking about and allow you to date without expectations, um, mm-hmm. without those, that level of expectation anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I also run a, uh, typically a free masterclass, uh, that runs at least once a month. Um, and it's called relearn to date based on your attachment style. So there's so much more information there, like in detail about the nervous system, the brain. Um, and then, yeah. And they could always go to my Instagram, which is at redo love and take my attachment style quiz, which, um, will give, you know, give a whole lot of information. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and definitely take the attachment style quiz. Um, I, I, I thought it was very interesting and your website's on there too. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And all that information can be found on the website, which is www.redolove.love. Why am I? Yeah. It's redo.love. Oh my God. (laughs) Please edit that out. My brain just like completely blanked. (laughs) www.redo.love.love is the extension. There's no .com. Yeah, which I love. I had no idea that that existed. So. I know. It's, I, I had to buy it when I found it. I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm getting that one. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, yeah. So everyone get in touch with Flora. And, you know, thanks again for being here. You know, I'm sure we'll be in touch. I'll be dropping into your clubhouse discussions or Definitely. rooms, whatever they call them. I'm still new with that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank yeah. you. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity and uh, yeah, get in touch if you're, you're struggling. <laughs> Definitely will do. Okay. <laughs> and thank you all for, <laughs> okay. I, I guess Eric's going to close this out. Go ahead. Um, so thank you for listening to Badass Moms. Thank you for listening to Badass Moms and, uh, and, and brought to you by the Holistic Therapies Directory. Uh, Uh, well i need to say something okay go ahead well i'm glad i could see you at the end of this episode (laughs) me too i'm glad i get to say goodbye (laughs) thank Mm -hmm. you eric my wonderful wonderful talented business partner thank you for listening to badass moms um brought to you by the holistic therapies directory once again if you're interested in (laughs) fitness and holistic health coaching for moms in the toughest situations you can find me at superbusymommycoach.com or on facebook and instagram at superbusymommycoach And if you are a holistic practitioner or you're looking for a holistic practitioner, make sure you go to holistictherapiesdirectory.com to share what you do with the world or find the perfect holistic practitioner for you. And I'm telling you, they have everything from spiritual healers to integrative medicine doctors, I'm sure dating coaches. (laughs) So whatever you're looking for, make sure you find it there. Thank you so much. And we will see you next time on Badass Moms. Bye. Bye. you've been listening to badass moms join us again and get your badass on